Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical LibroCuber class. Don't know what happened to my voice there, but I'm going to leave it in because it was amusing to me. To me. Something I say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. I say that because there will be spoilers, and I am a truthful individual. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. Uh, as those are things that help podcasts. And this is a podcast, so if you want to help us, that's something you'll do. Mm. Uh, I think that is enough said at the top of the show, so I will push a button and that will start the timer. The show timer. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rough you some things. Today's movie monologue is the Arnold Schwarzenegger Dumbbell Finder. What you can do to get more information on this product is to Google Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dumbbell Finding After Fires. Um, And you'll see what I mean. (laughs) Uh, A theme to this uh, episode, which I very infrequently do. But you know what I think I find is that uh, in this post-episode uh, 300 world, when I'm having uh, movie, TV, book, game, and internet all jammed into one episode, where they used to be sort of spread apart, uh, it's almost easier to do themes in uh, that regard, because you have a little bit of everything to pick and choose from. So, I don't know. It's a thing that I am trying to sometimes do, so I bring it up. Behind-the-scenes action. Uh, movie the first in this end sort of last sort of finale sort of finishing uh, themed episode is a movie called end of days starring arnold schwarzenegger Uh, i had seen this before vaguely remembered enjoying it back in the day enjoying it for what it is which is uh something you got to do with arnold schwarzenegger's movies quite often don't go in looking for high art go in looking for shits and giggles rather uh, let me read the page. Uh, at the end of the century, so this was the year 1999 into 2000, uh, Satan visits New York in search of a bride. It's up to an ex-cop who knows, who now runs an elite security outfit to stop him. <laughs> uh, just reading that makes me think, man, this is a genius idea for a movie. 
the ex-cop slash security dude is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Satan, played by uh, Gabriel Bryn. Bryn? Bryn? Byron? Anyways, uh, Gabriel Byron, who you may not recognize the name. Uh, I'm sure you would the face. He plays a good bad guy. And by that I mean a bad guy. Someone who plays bad guys well is what I would say about him. Uh, in this case, perhaps the baddest of all guys, Satan himself. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous movie that uh, a cop takes on Satan, <laughs> is how you can sort of boil it down. Uh, one thing I forgot about this movie, which I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised about, was uh, also making an appearance is Kevin Pollack, who... If you've listened to many of these episodes, you will know is on a podcast. The very first podcast I listened to that sort of sent me down this road of being addicted to podcasts. So, thank you, Kevin Bollock? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of action. Um, sometimes I sort of shy away from these uh, actiony ones that try to involve uh, religion as well. Uh, this one never gets heavy-handed in that regard, so I do appreciate it for that. Rating-wise, I'd go four. Because uh, I would probably, many years down the road, end up watching this again. Because it's just a fun, don't-think-too-hard-about-it flick. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Much like this next movie called The Last Stand. Eh? You see what I'm doing here? Fitting in with the theme of ending. We've got the end of days. We've got a burp. No, that's not right. We've got uh, now The Last Stand. Also, coincidentally... Starring uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. This came out in 2013, so uh, a little older Schwarzenegger. Was this after, just after he was the governor, the governator of California? I think it might have been. Maybe his first movie after he was governor. Uh, Let me read the image. The leader of a drug cartel busts out of a courthouse and speeds to the Mexican border, where the only thing in his path is a sheriff and his inexperienced staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to um, End of Days, in that it has Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it's not a thinker. <laughs> I'd probably go... tentative to go three, but potentially I would watch this this down the road, so maybe I'll, I'll lean more towards a four for rating. Uh, I think the reason I do that is because it's not sort of a, a total cut and dry action flick. They do add elements of comedy and things that you don't get into sort of this is an action movie, that's all it is. There's explosions, there's car chases, there's guns. The end. Uh, it has a little bit more to it than that uh, in the form of mostly comedy, but maybe there's some other levels as well. I'm not saying this is. A, well, I'm not saying this is a super super smart film by any means. Uh, also appearing as Johnny Knoxville as a sort of indication of that. <laughs> but uh, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Uh, moving on to the final film, uh, Jezebel. <clears throat> uh, this is one that the misses picked, as it is a horror movie. Uh, rating, I'd go three. Uh, let me read the Imbida. Returning to her childhood home in Louisiana to recuperate from her, a, 
<clears throat> excuse me, from a horrific car accident, uh, Jezebel uh, comes face to face with a long tormented spirit that has been seeking her return and has no intention of letting her escape. <laughs> Okay, uh, with the first two movies, I didn't really spoil them. This one I'm going to, so that is the, the dreaded double spoiler warning. The one sort of thing going for this movie is I didn't really expect the ending in which the evil spirit sort of bad guy, let's call it, wins and ends up taking possession of Jezebel and then sort of going off into the sunset, inhabiting her body. I love... An ending I didn't expect, and that was one. So that's why it gets a three and not a two. But I wouldn't watch it again because now I've seen the ending, so I don't need to experience it again. Man. Today's television talk sponsor is Cornish Kumquat Casserole a la Commode. Thank you to that sponsor for for sponsoring this television talk in which, fitting in with our theme of ends and finales and finals and lasts, uh, I've got uh, the season finale of QI, which I think I brought back in a post-300 episode, spoke of briefly. It's a British game show where uh, four comedians will come on and try to say quite interesting QI things about a variety of topics. Uh, in this season F, series F finale, because each series is devoted to a letter, uh, in this case F, uh, the finale was food. So what we have is four, five, if you include Stephen Fry, which I definitely will, people sitting around uh, trying to come up with funny things said about food that Stephen Fry will bring up on the little cards he has in front of him. Sounds like laughs a minute? Well, it is. It is. So, probably not doing it justice. What I've done for our sort of purposes here is uh, brought back some of the QIs, the QI facts, <clears throat> to share with you. Oh, uh, you know what? I did want to say... On this particular episode, the comedians in question were Jimmy Carr, who is one of the few people on the show who I sort of knew of beforehand. That's the one thing about uh, the show uh, that I like on top of it just being a funny and quite interesting show. It's that uh, it's, it's, it, it's making me sort of experience um, British personalities of the comedic variety that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. Otherwise, oh boy, uh, Jimmy Carr is an exception there because I did know of his comedy beforehand and he's just a super funny dude. Uh, dude. Same with uh, Rich Hall. Uh, he's one of the few Americans that uh, comes on from time to time, <laughs> I should say. Uh, if you are an American and watch this show, the potential is that you will be upset often because they quite often make fun of Americans. <clears throat> uh, next was David Mitchell, who I can't picture right now and then uh, alan davies is always there he's always a contestant quote unquote there's no prizes or anything other than uh being able to say you won i suppose i suppose uh they spoke a little bit in this food episode about the tapeworm diet of uh, days past that's where 
I guess it was like in the Victorian age or sometime around there, uh, a diet that was popular was to take a pill uh, that inside would contain a tapeworm. And if you are familiar with a tapeworm, it's probably not a good idea and a good thing it went out of fashion, but it's literally a worm that lives in your stomach and eats your food for all intents and purposes. Um, a parasite, basically. Now it does work, so uh, I wonder, <laughs> just thinking out loud here, the, the downsides versus the upsides. I mean, you're, you're doing it to lose weight and you lose weight. How bad are the downsides of having a parasite living in your stomach? I imagine they're pretty bad. Uh, next is stone crab. Oh, this was an interesting fact. Uh, and I see potential in it in a sort of genetically modified food as human beings run out of food idea. And it's the stone crab, which uh, you can get a stone crab and take off, and I mean break off, cut off one of its claws and then eat that, as you do with crab's legs. Uh, and then within a year or so, it will regrow a new one. So once we figure out how to harness that ability and say a cow... <laughs> have a half stone crab half cow hybrid that uh, can replenish itself you know we'll be laughing we'll be laughing uh the show as i do recall i mentioned the first time i talk, talk about it <laughs> first time i talked about it uh kind of broken up into two parts the first being just sort of facts like that and then um misconceptions so things that people believe but are in fact false very i think that's the, sort of the most interesting part of the show uh so i brought some of them back here a lot of uh, misconceptions about canadian mounties which me being a canadian even had a few of them myself um muscle does not turn into fat and vice versa it's something i never thought of but it does sort of make sense you can't have one sort of form of matter just magically turn into another so they're two totally different things and one never turns into another uh here's one i did know it's that tongue map if you've ever seen that before like this area of your tongue tastes sweet tastes the sour this bitter etc uh that's false uh your whole tongue tastes all different tastes including umami uh less than one percent of the internet is porn huh that one I found hard to believe. Uh, and lastly, 85% of the email you receive is spam. Hmm, interesting. Today's book banter sponsor is the Wheel of Time Clock Company Limited. Thank you to that for sponsoring this, in which I'm going to talk about the final and 14th. Yes, you heard me right. The 14th book in the Wheel of Time series by Mr. Robert Jordan and Mr. Oh, shit, I didn't write down his name. The guy who finished it, specifically named... Brandon Sanderson. I would have got that. I had it on the tip of my tongue, which tastes all different tastes, For by the way. Uh, 
if you listen to me, I think episode 301, I kind of spoke of how I was reading this Wheel of Time series and didn't plan on really talking about it on the podcast. I was going to sort of keep it personal because it's very personal to me. Uh, I guess I decided against that because it fits so well in with the theme. I thought maybe my talking of the final book of the series a little bit would entice other people to read it, which is always a great desire of mine that... You listening to this will hear me talk of things and be like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Or conversely, you hear it and say, eh, you know what, that doesn't sound like it's up my alley. And then either experience it for yourself or avoid it. But more, hopefully, experience it, especially in this case, because it's a book series that I just love so, so very much. Uh, the last couple, handful, some of the books written by uh, Brandon Sanderson uh, with the passing of Robert Jordan, obviously not able to write anymore. So uh, on that note, I want to say he did just an amazing, an amazing job. Uh, I think some of it must have had to do with the fact that I believe that they, at least for a time, worked together. Uh, so some... At least one or two of the books were written by both of them, so he had a really good feel for the material. Uh, One thing that never came up, uh, there's only one example I can think of. Maybe there's more, but only one example I can think of that's something that Robert Jordan started in his books that uh, by the end of the series, Brandon Sanderson never quote-unquote finished. Uh, And that was, there's a group of people, gypsies mostly, they're called the traveling people, and they travel, and they're non-violent, and they're sort of constantly searching for uh, a song, a very, very special song, and uh, it was repeatedly, repeatedly mentioned in the first handful of books, and then just nothing ever came of that. So I was kind of wondering what their song was, how it was going to come into play in the last battle. Uh, Last battle, that's again sort of fitting in with our theme fitting in with this book uh it's something that pretty amazing that this is a 14 book series and from book one they start talking about the last battle (laughs) i've never experienced anything like this before such a, a build of talking about a last battle that happens in the last handful of chapters of this book well no i guess that's not fair to say it's almost as if the whole book is this last battle or series of battles rather and you'd think with that sort of slow builds the potential at least is there that it's going to sort of fizzle out and be kind of meh okay well it was a battle there's no denying it but no I, I don't think that's the case at all I think he really made it so that all that work up to the last uh, was worth it let me look at some of my notes uh, okay, just mention that. It was, was Yeah, it was actually three separate battles. Um, and then it was down to two battles, and then it was down to one. So it was sort of combining them. And then as our forces... <laughs> I don't know why I say our forces. That's kind of a weird glimpse into my head. The forces of good fighting the forces of evil. As they start to lose, they're sort of forced to not lose maybe that's not a good way to say it anyways as they start to lose people as their their numbers dwindle uh they're forced to sort of combine their forces and then do so again until they're they're very they're at the very end the final thing i wanted to say on this particular ending was a very interesting idea 
And I wonder if it was something Robert Jordan had in mind from the beginning or something Brandon Sanderson added. And that was... This is a bit of a spoiler. Well, not really. If you have a 14-book fantasy series, I think it's safe to say that the good guys are going to win, right? <laughs> Anyways, the good guys win, and the main character, Rand Althor, he uh, dies. Rather, his body dies, and his consciousness is transferred into the body of another. Uh, nobody knows that except for sort of three people, so it's all sort of hush-hush. The whole world thinks the leader of the armies of good has perished. Um, and he sort of just fucks off into the night and says to himself, like, well, you know what? I've done what I got to do. I'm going to go try to live the rest of my life as a, a normal human being and not have to put up with this kingly shit anymore. So uh, I, I like that idea, and I can't think of any time where uh, that has happened. But maybe I'm wrong. Hey, I'll tell you what. Let's get a little audience participation. If you can think of a time in any media, it doesn't have to be a book, where the good guy won and then just sort of went away and lived his own life and no one knew about it. Uh, you know, let me know to the address provided in the closing credits or tweet at me or Facebook me, what have you. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is the Dreamweaver video game system, which of course lets you play your dreams like a video game. Duh. Okay, still fitting in with the theme. And see, this is kind of what I meant. Uh, I was theming it up for this episode and didn't really have a video game per se that I wanted to talk about. Uh, on that note, next uh, episode I will have uh, South Park, The Stick of Truth, because I just finished that. Finished. <laughs> uh, so, so this whole theme gave me the idea of talking about some of my top video game endings. Huh? Huh? Uh, so number one for me, and this is kind of perhaps a strange choice, but it's it sticks out in my mind. And when I as soon as I said my top video game and endings I uh, thought of that idea this popped into my head first and foremost is uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, why you may ask well there, there's some cool things yeah it's your, your Mario endings of your were all sort of similar in that you would see some of the bad guys and some clips and there'd be some music and you, you know nothing special but uh, in the end of this one uh, we find out that the whole thing was a dream. Hmm. And then it's sort of, you see a picture of Mario sleeping in bed and he's snoozing away. Uh, w which was amusing at the time as a kid. I'd never thought of an idea such as that. But the, that aside, what really sticks out most is the music of him sleeping. Uh, I'm sure you can find online, and I can't believe I didn't look myself. But if you find a Super Mario Brothers 2 ending... And then hear the sound, uh, more specifically the music of that plays while Mario's sleeping. It is like the most relaxing, just sort of mellowed out songs, sounds, musics that you will ever hear. And I think the reason that uh, it stood out so much for me is because I remember once as a kid uh, playing this game and then beating it. 
uh, and then just letting that play me to sleep. <laughs> so uh, that's why it's getting, if not number one, it's getting on the list because this is not necessarily in under any order. Okay, so moving on to number two. <laughs> ah, that's an order. Uh, is Journey. Hmm. Uh, I did, I know 100% guaranteed, bring Journey back to a third video games day, which is uh, pre-episode 300, of course. And I uh, talked about that. It was the first game that ever made me cry because it was just so incredibly moving, the ending of this. Uh, I tried to repeat the ending and it just didn't have the same effect. I think because uh, when I first played Journey, I ended up playing uh, with someone online. Don't know who it was. I, I wish I could remember who it was, or rather friended them. That's probably something I should have done. Anyways, uh, we played, me and this unnamed, unfaced person, through the majority of the game. So uh, to come to this sort of dramatic... Uh, conclusion all through the game with one person I think added a, a layer that wasn't there when I tried to repeat it by myself or I actually tried to repeat it with another person but I could never find anyone sort of willing to I guess go at the same pace I was going <laughs> okay so uh, moving on to number three if we're counting Final Fantasy X the first sort of super cinematic game that I ever played was probably Final Fantasy X, so the, just just the beating that game and, and the feeling of how much you accomplished in order to beat that game, uh, and then sitting back and watching practically a friggin' movie, uh, it's a very good sense of accomplishment. Uh, Killer Instinct, mm -hmm. those... Uh, I never saw every single ending, but one of the beautiful things of YouTube, and one of I think maybe even potentially one of the first things I ever did with YouTube, was to go on it and to look for all the different endings, because depending on who, which character you beat the game with, you get a different ending. And uh, I think out of all of these, I would recommend I would recommend uh, that experience more than any of the other ones just go on and type in killer instinct endings because there, there's some comedy there there's some what the fuck and this is a, a thing of the 90s the what the fuck fighting video game ending uh but killer instinct did it well okay i'm out of time so um i did also write down fallout 3 far cry 3 and uh zelda games in general usually have pretty good endings hmm. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Jake and Amir brand Antique Milk and Blowjob Repellent. Yes. Uh, this is sort of the reason that I decided to do this themed episode. In fact, it's not sort of. It is the reason I decided to do this ending the last finale style themed episode. Uh, because Jake and Amir is coming to a close. Jake and Amir... It was probably the first web series I ever had exposure to. I think I could probably say that. 
Wow, that's kind of mind-blowing. They've been around for a long time, obviously, and this is probably the strongest I've ever had that feeling of uh, pity and envy if you haven't experienced Jake and Amir. Uh, pity, because you haven't experienced Jake and Amir. Envy, because you have just unfriggin' countable gotta be hours despite the fact that the the videos are you know maximum say five minutes long uh you gotta have hours of entertainment at your fingertips to go back and see what they've done over the years consistently funny and just so so sad that they're gonna be leaving uh i've just really don't know what to say <laughs> there's rumors that uh they're going to they're in talks with tbs to have their own television show uh I think they could make it work. There's always that thought of, at least in the back of my mind, taking a web series that's a series of five-minute uh, videos once a week, turning that into a half-hour television program, that that's going to be hard or impossible. You know, there's that. Um, but I think they could do it, because these two together are the Abbott and Costello, the Three Stooges, the two other funny people and other two funny people of this age yeah there you go i said it like that uh also in these last handful of episodes very uh, ben schwartz heavy which uh always tickles my fancy very very much i always have made the prediction on this podcast and if you've listened to enough episodes i'm sure you will have heard me say this since i started back in uh, 2012 oh man uh that, that's something 2012 and it's 2015 anyways um i'm sure you will have heard me say that uh, ben schwartz is going to be the next sort of big thing just kind of a la zach galifianakis he will explode onto the scene uh, and he's in the process of doing that, as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, next is Getting Dug With High. Mm, I decided to bring it back because I couldn't remember if I had. And also it was a live episode, which uh, usually is particularly uh, good and funny. If you aren't familiar with this phenomenon, it's where Doug Benson, uh, pot smoker extraordinaire. I can't believe I just said that. Uh, we'll get together with his friends, smoke pot, record it, and call it a podcast for, basically, that is what it is. Uh, did I write down who was on this one? Uh, yes, a guest for this live episode were Sarah Silverman, Todd Glass, Brian Prosain, Rory Scoville, and Eric Andre. Um, Eric Andre is the only one of those who... I uh, haven't really seen much of, hasn't really, haven't really had much exposure to, hasn't really made me laugh like the others have a shit ton of times. So, you know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sure he's very funny. I just need to find more Eric Andre stuff and uh, watch it and then get to know him a bit better through that. Uh, everyone else, fucking hilarious, though. Uh, I did write down a note on this. Okay, so... Uh, and I kind of, I never say anything mean on this podcast as a sort of general rule, but uh, I've got a note here. This is starting to think the premise of the show is potentially better than uh, the execution. And and the only reason I say that is because I think, especially when it comes to these uh, larger shows where it's like seven guests or five guests or whatever, it's kind of hard to keep things in check. And also have everyone have their own say. 
especially because, well, <laughs> they're all friggin' high. So, uh, like Brian Posehn, uh, he barely spoke at all, and he is one of the funniest people you know. So to see him up on stage and barely talking is, is I don't know if it's frustrating, but, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe a little frustrating. Hmm, just just kind of, kind of thought about that. All of this said, still, still very funny, still highly recommend, and uh, would recommend it highly. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you know what? I wrote down a potential idea here, and I don't know if this would make things worse or much, much worse. <laughs> Maybe better, Emmett. Maybe better. Um, my potential idea is uh, half the panel gets stoned, and the other half gets really drunk, and then you sort of see where that takes you. Hmm. Uh, okay, I had other things, too. But as you already heard, we're out of time. I also brought back two podcasts. Um, Dead Authors Podcast, which is a new one. I haven't added to uh, the repertoire, the podcast repertoire, in a long time. Um, but because uh, Paul F. Tompkins has been making me laugh so so much so often, uh, I decided to give it a try. Basically, he pretends to be... H.G. Uh, Wells, traveling through time, getting authors of the dead variety, and uh, bringing him back and talking to them. Oh, uh, the reason that this one sort of jumped at me so much was because it uh, starred the aforementioned Ben Schwartz, who, as I have mentioned, afore, uh, just friggin' hilarious. And uh, this is, uh, I've listened to maybe five, six, ten of these so far. This is definitely the funniest one. Uh, ben Schwartz was pretending to be a uh, Rolled Doll, mm -hmm. writer, author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, you could tell he did some um, research, but just enough that he didn't know some things to make it friggin' hilarious. And he used the word bitches probably a little bit more than Rolled Doll would have used. <laughs> so uh, many, many laughs on that. Uh, last but not least, because I'm out of time, I'm just going to mention it and say that it is good. This is a good thing was a Nerdist podcast with uh, guest David Cross. Uh, David Cross, I've heard him on quite a number of podcasts. I think I could say that this is the least grumpy I've ever heard him. Now, normally it's a bit of a persona, obviously, but here he seemed kind of be up and, and happy and with it and in it, which was strange, but, but kind of nice. Uh, and I like him both ways, so there's that. Folks, there's that. And that leaves one final thing to say, which is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email. Jordan.Maywood at gmail.com I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. 
till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper